stand up for yourself and I'll back you up cause problems don't solve themselves I'll tell you what instead of would or could I think you should draw a line in the sand and stand your ground it's for your own good Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Voice of Families and Addiction. My name is Roy Poyan, and I'll be your host for this episode. And what we're going to do today is we're going to be using our book, which we've been using for these previous episodes. And the book is titled Reentry Curriculum, Merging Two Worlds. You can find it on our website as a PDF download. What we're doing today is we're going to kind of look at the idea that you're going to need resources. I, regardless of what you're re-entering from, um, it could be that you're re-entering from incarceration um, or from a residential to an IOP and then back to your normal lifestyle uh, or what is your new lifestyle normal. And um, that's going to probably require that you create new resources. Your old channels may not be helpful for you. They may not uh, provide what you need. They may not um, provide uh, you know, the kind of uh, cushioning that you need, the, answer, the, the kind of like um, lack of triggers. So saying, well, I know where to go and I've been there before. You know, if you've been there before and it didn't work, <laughs> I think that um, it goes back to the old thing, crazy is trying to do something the same way all the time and expect a new uh, outcome. Uh, that that might apply here. So let's let's not do that. Let's, let's uh, take a look at this episode and, and challenge ourselves to try and come up with um, the best that's available for you as it exists today, not for what necessarily you used in the past. So what we want to do is I'd like to ask you to turn to page 29. I'm going to take you back into other episodes and I'm just going to ask you to briefly go back through the idea of needs, wants, and, uh, and, and desires. And that's important because this episode is about gathering resources that you're likely going to need. And when we start to talk about that, we're talking about what? Well, we're talking about your needs, exactly, and your wants, and how needs are different than wants. You may want something, but that's not necessarily what you need, or that's not exactly what you need. And uh, your desires have a lot to do with your current situation and how you might see yourself in the future, but you're dealing with the present. And a lot of what you're going to hear people say as you move forward into a solid stance of recovery is live your life in the present, be prepared for the future, okay? So we'll do, we will do a session with Stephen Covey's uh, First Things First, where he has a nice matrix that, that identifies how to live your life proactively and not reactively. But that's for another episode. Right now, we're at the, wants, the needs, wants, and desires on page 29, and um, we're, we're looking at that, that uh, kind of matrix of need, want, and desire on page 31. And we're identifying a little bit about how to use that when we're looking at resources. All right, so what I'm saying is you didn't take chapter number one and just move on. That, you know, if that's the way you study, get rid of that. That's not going to work for you. Not in this world. Your world, in terms of re-entry and redeveloping your new normal, is going to be based around what it is you can, can get a hold of 
and how well you use it and whatever you learned needs to be put into that equation. Don't leave your learning on the sideline thinking, well, I, I took the course, therefore I know it. We don't care. Can you do it? That's what we care about. Can you apply what you've learned? That's when learning becomes knowledge. And that's when knowledge becomes empowering. So you have to do one before the other. Have you learned about needs and wants? You know, it's kind of a simple question. And do you understand your desires? If you took the time and you did it, you know, with, with diligence, then your chapter one work that you wrote out should be available to you, right? And if that's the case, then absolutely go back into it. Now, there's the other area of expectations. You know, when it comes to finding resources, your understanding your needs and your wants and your desires is really important. But your expectations can wear you out. And here's what I mean by that. If we're expecting that an organization should be able to, by your limited knowledge of what it is that they do, these people should be able to provide me with this resource, you know, stated resource. And you find out that they don't. And you waste all this time doing, moving towards that. And then you, then a person will waste even more time getting angry that they don't do something that you think they should do. Well, that's why we're taking these program uh, contents in bite pieces so you can digest it. Stop the press. Understand your expectations before you go to an organization. When you're in the parking lot, you're pulling the key out of the console and you're, you're getting your things together. I would like, to, I would challenge you and I would like you to ask yourself, I want to stop, take three deep breaths, in through your nose, hold it for four, count of four, one, two, three, four, exhale through your pursed lips as though you're going to whistle. One, two, three, four. Do that four times. Then I want you to ask yourself, what are my expectations before I go into this organization? What am I, how realistic, from what I know about what they do, how realistic am I applying my needs, wants, and desires to my expectations before I go into this resource opportunity and talk with them? It's going to make a world of difference. We're not doing this so that you run around and, you know, you're going to this place, you're going to that place, you're getting a business card, you're getting a brochure, you know, you're shaking a hand, maybe they give you a tour, okay? These are all good things and you absolutely should do them. But what's your expectation of doing them? Not just of them, but of yourself. What is your self-expectation? Now, you can control that, okay? You can't control what it is that they offer. You, can't, you can control, did you understand well enough what they offered before you went to meet with them? And now that you're leaving, did the meeting with them bring you even further into a better understanding? And it refined your expectations. So, Roy, are we saying that expectations are ecstatic or are never moving? I guarantee you they're ever moving. Okay? If you have an expectation, expect <laughs> if you have an expectation, expect it to change from the expectation you had before. I know that sounds like we're we're making children's rhymes here, but we're not. The fact is, if you think something should happen and then you go in and you get new information 
and then you change your expectations, then you are a very smart person. You're being, you're being agile, you're being malleable in a positive way, you're adjusting your strategy based on new information. Uh, that's how you win battles. I am telling you that's how you win battles in life. I am telling you as a prior field artillery captain, that's how you build, that's how you win battles on the battlefield, okay? We would, we would set out with one understanding from military intelligence for this particular operation, and they would tell us that uh, enemy forces were sitting in a certain area in a certain composition. We thought they were armor. Turns out they were light infantry and dismounted. We thought they were mounted and sitting in tanks and personnel vehicles. They were not. And uh, so they were scattered all through the front line of this forest area. And um, that had to change our way of moving into this combat with them. Because now we know we're not going to be just hitting static targets. We're going to have to start to, and as an artillery officer, I knew that I was not going to fire artillery for a specific point, but more of a general like circumference area of an open like field. And, and, and that, that actually meant that I had to change some of my munitions. See what I'm saying? The same is true for you. As you start to head out in the morning and you're going to go visit, you know, the department of uh, agency uh, that's providing certain services and you go down there and you're ready for one thing and all of a sudden you get there and you find out that um, that isn't done at this building or that's not something we no longer, we no longer do or we've made it even better and we've added on three new items. Now, my expectation going to this agency absolutely on the, on the spot needs to change. And the nice thing is, if you're really, really smart about this, and you got your, you got every, all your gears functioning that particular time, morning, whatever, then you would be asking them to help you adjust your expectations. And you could say it just like that. You could say, you know, Barbara or Mrs. Donahue, when I came in here, I had the expectation that you all did this. But I can see now that you're doing something a little bit differently, and it's even more dynamic. Can you help me to adjust what I should be expecting from these services so that I can better plan around how to use them in the best way? Oh my gosh, they'll fall over their feet for you. <laughs> Do you know how much different that is than you showing up angry and saying to them, gosh darn it, I am so mad at my family, I'm so mad at my family member, and, and your services, I had to call 15 times and nobody picked up, and, and damn it, you better da-da-da-da-da. Okay, <laughs> which one expectation that you're playing out in front of these people, which one do you think you'll get the best amount of resources from? So the way that you approach the resources, before we even talk about resources, your expectations, the way that you're setting yourself up emotionally, your emotional intelligence quotient, comes into play, and I promised you we weren't going to talk about that in these episodes, but it's true, then you, you, really, you really have to consider the fact that um, you are in control. I can't tell you how many times somebody has told me, you know what, I guess we'll just have to uh, wait and see what happens next. And I'm thinking, I don't mean to be rude, I really don't, but, but my thought is, that is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. I mean, we've just shown you all 32 issues We've given you an enormous amount of strength. And your retort or your plan or your expectation is, 
we're, we're just, we're not going to figure out what our needs are. We're not going to figure out what our wants are or what we might be expecting or how we might better prepare. We're just going to wait for it to happen. And then we'll like follow through with what is presented at the time. All right. If you're doing that, please hang up the phone. <laughs> Go away. Because we're not going to be able to help you. All right. And, and we're here about helping people. So with that in mind, we're talking about resources. And they're here to help you. And that's what you have to know. They're not here to make you angry. They're not here, uh, in many cases, they're not there to hold your hand either, to be honest with you. Um, they do care about you, or they wouldn't be doing this type of service. Your expectations, your needs and wants known by you and being able to communicate them effectively are going to have a lot to do with how well they can perform their services for you. You know what we're doing? We're not just talking about resource gathering. We're talking about relationships with that resource. You're going to have a relationship with this resource. Well, it doesn't sound like it's a very personal thing. I mean, how do you have a, how do you have a relationship with a uh, treatment center? Well, like any good relationship, you first get to know what they are. And then how they work. And then how they make decisions and decide who's going to get what resource at what time and what way, okay? And once you start to understand that, just like you do with your girlfriend, your wife, your, your, your children, your, your spouse, um, you, get, you get to know them. And, and you, you, you let them know what you need. It's a relationship. It's not gathering resources. You're going to go out, and by doing this, if you do it this way, you're going to have relationships, a lot of them. It's going to feel good. You won't feel so alone and isolated. That's the worst place a family members, the family members can be, is feeling isolated and alone and rejected and stigmatized. It's almost as though we create our own stigma. Hey, is that possible? I mean, could it be that in a way... We keep pointing at everybody else. Oh, they're stigmatizing me. They're stigmatizing me. Look, they got an attitude. Yeah, but uh, is it possible that in maybe in a very minor way, what we do kind of instigates that, facilitates that? They're just filling in the blanks of a sentence that they'd already established for being able to stigmatize you? Could you upset the apple cart by changing your expectation? By looking at this as a relationship and not a, I'm here to get from you, now give it to me. Okay? <laughs> I think if you're listening to this or you're watching this on video, you'd agree, I, I believe we would agree, that when you establish a relationship with a resource provider, you're in a much, much better place. Personally, you'll feel better about yourself, but productivity-wise, you'll get more from them. So let's, let's first identify on, now I'm on page 73, the, uh, the identification. You've got information, okay, that you need, let's say, from this organization. We already said what that is. Remember? The information is things like what do you do? How do you do it? When do you do it? How do I qualify for it? Who's going to give it to me? What should I expect it would look like? How do I use it? That's information. And you see it at the top of the page. And then you see the arrows where they're all kind of coming in together. And one is said, why do I need it? Yeah. When you go in and meet with them, 
you should start off, write this down right now. Write this down as number one. Why do I need it? Answer that question. When you first meet them, hi, my name is Roy Poyan, and I wanted to find out more about your services, and here's why I think I need it. And you tell them that right up front, because then they're going to be able to kind of like fill your tray with the kind of foods that you need as you move down the cafeteria line. And then you'll want to know, how do I get it? Okay, what's the process here? And then it says, how do I keep it here on the other arrow? I'd like to move that and say, how do I use it? Uh, I think that that's maybe what they had in mind when they said, how do I keep it? So fill out the, uh, the exercise here on this. This is called exercise 31 on page 73. And then we're going to turn to um, the other uh, page, which is 74. And we're going to go through some items, all right? Now, you're not going to like me saying this because it just seems so overwhelming, and it is. Re-entering your life is not the same as showing up, okay? You could show up in this. You could just get out of wherever it was you were and land where it is that you are now and say, I'm here, you know? I can guarantee you. A lot of people are going to kind of like scratch their head and say, so what? And you might sit there and say, well, I need help. And they're going to probably think to themselves, help yourself first, and then I'll find a way to help you while you're helping yourself. That'd be very realistic if they said that to you. But the fact is, you might as well get used to the idea that if you're listening to this episode and you're going to support somebody on reentry, or you yourself are going to go through reentry, here are the things that you're going to need. There are personal records. These are categories. And there are several items that I'll go back into for each category. There's financial records. There's legal records. There's medical records. There's education records. There's vocation records. Huh. I'm on page 74. So, birth certificate, baptism record. Well, why would you need a baptism record? They don't need to know about me as a baby. It's proof that you are who you say you are. The baptism record, not the baptism, the baptism record helps you to identify to people in the spiritual sense, this is my faith and this is my birth certificate. These two documents define who I am as a document basis. So when would you need that? Well, the birth certificate you're going to need as a second form of identification because if you came out of prison system, more than likely all you have is a state or federal uh, sheet of paper that says this is who you are, but you don't have a secondary and a third with a picture. And that's what you really need to get around in life. You'll realize that real fast. Give me two forms of ID. You'll hear it quite often. So let's go ahead and get you your birth certificate. If you have a baptism record, go ahead and get that too. And then get on down to the Social Security and get a Social Security card. Hey, there's another relationship. Oh boy, here we go. Then family information, who to contact in case of emergency. You should have a, basically almost like a, you know, you might even want to sign off a HIPAA form so that if you show up in the hospital, somebody can, you know, have access to how well you're doing. And, and it doesn't give them rights to make determinations on your health, but it gives them rights to know about what's going on. So somebody that's close to you, you should probably sign up a HIPAA form um, if you're like really diligent with the local hospital. But anyhow, um, 
records of agency who provide services to you. So if you're on service with the VA, if you're on service with, you know, uh, Department of Aging or some kind of Medicaid program, you want, you want a record that shows, you know, who those are, what services they provide categorically. And you need a driver's license. Well, for some states, that means you got to wait a couple of months. Uh, I think in Ohio, you have to wait six months or so. And that, I know that's a real problem for you. And I'm sorry that it's set up that way, but it is, and for very good reasons, I'm sure. Um, but those are, those are the personal records that you're going to need in order to gain access to the resources that you want, because these are the most commonly requested forms of identification. So what other things will you need? Well, at some cases, you need to qualify that you don't have enough earnings so that you can get into this program, okay? You're, you're a below poverty level kind of statement. So you, you might need bank statements or income tax records under financial. Does this make sense? Yeah, it does. Does that mean you're going to have a relationship with the bank? Absolutely. You're going to go down to the bank, you're going to get your form, and you're going to have it filled out. Uh, same with the IRS. You're, you're going to get in touch with uh, whoever filled out your tax returns and get copies of those so that you can you know, have those on board. You're creating a binder. This is Roy Binder. I'd like you to introduce him to you. Here's Roy's birth certificate. Here's the Social Security card. Here's his family information, the people that are close to me in case of emergency. Here's his records of the agencies that, he, that, he, that are providing services to Roy. Here's Roy's driver's license. Here's Roy's bank statement in the financial records segment. Here's Roy's income. Then legal records. Court records with conditions of your incarceration, release, parole, or probation. Put it in the binder, okay? Three-hole punch it and put it in the binder. And then court records such as divorce decrees, custody agreements, any kind of financial obligations that you have, um, debt or debt payment or paid off debt, uh, would be helpful. Now, these aren't like, oh, gee, wouldn't it be good if I had them? These are, you really have to have them, okay? So don't kid yourself and think, I don't need that right away. Get it in the binder, you will need it. We're not trying to fill up a page with ink so that we can you know, start printing on the next page. These are things that really need to be done on page 74. So medical records. Um, include your medic, medical insurance card, names and addresses of doctors, dentists, therapies, immunization records, um, any dates and results of any surgeries or medical procedures, uh, specialists and therapist reports. It doesn't say it here, but I, I'd like to include allergies and medications that you're on, okay? That, that's going to be very important for somebody to know. So the next one is um, education records. Copies of your individual uh, plan. Do you have an education plan? You should. More than likely, education will benefit you. If you have a plan that you can share it with somebody, you can say, this is, this is how I plan to move forward with uh, you know, learning and, and getting certified or educated. Uh, any kind of like education test reports that, that indicate how you've done or a report card or transcripts. And then you look at vocation. And the vocational records, uh, kind of like any assessment that's been done on you regarding work, uh, any like work-related uh, courses you've taken, any work-related dates or contact persons or phone numbers that you have, and references, a resume, and most importantly, a career plan. 
You know, by now, I would imagine you're saying, gee whiz, this is a lot of work. How about if I just kind of show up and wing it? Yeah, you can. And once again, please turn off the phone and, and go away because <laughs> this information is going to be of value to you, and I'm not helping you. So uh, let's go to page 75. When, when you're gathering information, be sure to follow directions, ask questions, and take messages. This is about this, this particular page, this particular thought in exercise number 33 is getting information. Well, yeah, I write it down on the back of a piece of paper. I ask the, I ask the person, to, you got a pen, you got a piece of paper, I'll write it down. You know, hey, you know, shape up. That, that's not how you go at this. You go in, you go down to Office Max or Walmart, pick yourself up some index file cards and a damn pen. And when you go in and you sit down with somebody, you're ready to copy, okay? They're out, they're on the table, and you are ready. You've already punched a little thing, so the inky thing's out, and you're ready to start writing, okay? Don't play this Joe Cool game of, oh, I don't need to be ready, I'll just show them that I can remember. Don't. Show respect. Show up ready to copy down what they say. By the way, what I've often noticed is they see you writing and then they start to think, well, now wait a second. Because they see that you care enough that you're writing. And this has happened to me so many times and I want it to happen to you. They'll sit there and they'll say, and put down this other name. That's a person that'll be able to help you better. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that wouldn't have happened had I not pulled out the pen and paper and showed them the respect that they deserve and being ready to copy down what they say. So they understand I'm more than likely going to act on this if I took down the information and wrote it down in front of you. So it says right here, step one, take out a sheet of paper. Step two, print your name on, and the today's date in the upper left-hand corner. Underline your name. Circle the date. Draw a square in the upper right-hand corner and put a check mark on the inside of it. Draw a larger circle in the center of your paper. Draw two lines to divide the circle into four equal parts. One line from the top, one line from the bottom, the other line from right to left. You're going to do the crosshairs thing inside the circle. This is brilliant. Do this, and you'll be amazed at how much better you gather information. Now, in the top segment of the circle, print the word listening. In the bottom right segment of the circle, print the word speaking. In the top left segment, print the word reading. In the bottom left segment, print the word writing. Underneath the circle, write the word communication. Have everyone hold them up and meaning if you were in a classroom, and you will see that they all did it the same way. Sometimes it helps you to write down the question you ask before you ask it. Well, okay, then that would go under speaking, which is in the right segment of the circle. Let's say you were looking for a babysitter for your two children. List some questions that you might ask. A good question usually produces a good answer. In other words, the quality of your question when you're gathering information is everything in what you will learn and then be able to use. So we're going to move over to page 76. The, let, let's pretend you're going to look for an apartment. And you might, you, it's one that you might rent. 
uh, you have five questions. What would you ask the apartment people, the manager? <laughs> Go ahead on page 76, write those down. One, two, three, four, five. You know, using a phone is an important part of gathering information. Using a phone also requires clearly speaking. Don't mumble. Don't hold the phone by your shoulder, in your chin, and go, yeah, yeah, it's like that, uh-huh. Don't do that. Hold the phone with your hand. Make sure it's a proper distance from your mouth and speak audibly. Speak clearly. You know, take a drink of water before you get on or you know, a club soda so it has an effervescence and it wakes up your mouth so that you're not slurring your words. When you're employed, you may require to answer the phone as part of your job. These types of calls require you to use a business-like manner voice. Oh, <laughs> so voice matters? You're like, wait a second, Roy, we were talking about resources. No, we weren't. We established in the beginning, we're talking about you having a relationship with resources and getting information and the way that you speak clearly and the way the tone. And, and, and I, I've, got, I've got a little exercise for you. I want you to sit up straight I want you to pull your shoulders back. I want you to push your chest out. And then I want you to look up at the sky and I want you to smile. And I want you to hold that smile for a count of 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now I want you to come back down. I guarantee you, if you do that, your total voice and your demeanor will 100% be effective in communicating with the person you're about to talk to. I won't charge you for that extra tip. So basically on a little format, if you wanted to, you could put it up on your computer. Uh, you could make up little like uh, call records where it says who called, uh, how did I prepare for the call, or who did I call, what did we talk about, and, um, and then, you know, this is all on page 76, and you'll see it there. So moving on to page 77. And we're looking at kind of a, a personal data form. If you're going to have a relationship with somebody, they need to know who you are. They're not responsible for pulling that out of you. So if you're an introvert, remember we talked about personalities, um, then be aware of that and understand that doesn't mean you get a sit on the sidelines card, okay? You still have to participate in providing the person you're having a relationship with or the resource that you're, you're trying to get things from or information about. You have a responsibility on your part to have already formulated how you will describe yourself. Wow. That's like we're going into an interview. <laughs> yeah, well, you might as well get used to it. Everybody's going to judge you. And they're going to start out judging you if they know where you came from especially if it was incarceration, in a negative way. It's not their job to change their opinion. Unfortunately, it's your job to conduct yourself in a way that allows them to see. In other words, you're not going to present yourself so it changes them. You're not interested in changing them. You're interested in the things you have control over. You're interested in presenting yourself in the best possible way. Not the best possible light, the best possible way. So we want you to take continence in yourself, your, your, your console, and 
really understand and be able to explain. Some people call it an elevator pitch. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking more for your internal mind and heart and, and true understanding of you know who you are. You're wrapping your arms around you and saying, I know this person, <laughs> and gosh darn it, I like them. And I think if you know them in the way that I know them, you'll like them too. But we're not here to like each other. You know, I'm here to get a resource, but I just kind of want you to know this is who I am. So you have your personal information available. You're ready to hand somebody your phone number. Don't make them have to write it down. You know, you might put out a personal data sheet and you use it selectively. But when somebody sits there and says, so how do you spell your name? You hand them this data sheet. They're going to say, oh, oh, that's great. Oh, good. You have the other questions here that I'll be asking. You've got date of birth, your nationality, your social security number, your phone number. Uh, boy, this is great. It even has, a, you know, maybe a, a, a more detailed sheet. It might have your education, your work experience, any kind of specialty skills training, and, and a reference or two. And, and then, well, doesn't this sound like a resume, per se? No, it's not a resume. It's a personal data sheet, PDS. Oh, boy, I love acronyms. Well, you know, coming from the Army, <laughs> you get used to acronyms real fast. Uh, what we're doing here is we're saying, I cared enough about my coming to your organization to get services or to start a relationship where I'm going to continue to grow inside of your services. And I want you to know who I am. And I'm sincere enough that I wrote all this out. You will have a much better launch with this organization by doing that. And isn't that why we're doing this? We're trying to set you up for success. So, Here's some things. We, we, we sometimes say, I'm just going to pick up the phone. I'm going to say, hi, yeah, um, I'm calling to find out what, it, if you're um, listening, I'm putting the phone to my ear. I'm calling to find out what exactly, uh, you know, you guys do and, and uh, tell me a little bit more about the services. Well, you know, there's a lot you could have looked up first. You should know the organization's name their actual name, not what you think their name is. You should know their address. You should know their phone number. You should know who you're talking to by saying, who am I talking to, please? Oh, please, wow. Who am I talking to, with a cherry on top, please? Be polite, be courteous. Be even better talking to them than you might even talk to yourself. So what services do you offer? Who is eligible for the, your services? How much do your services cost? Are there any special qualifications? Do you know of other, other organizations that services that would help me? Help them help you, you know? Well, you know, if you're gonna get this, most people that get this go across the street and they get that from the other organization. Oh, well, hey, you know what? You would not have learned that if you'd not asked that question. Do you know of any other organizations that offer services that would be help to me? That's on page 78. And then here's our direct line for that com contact person. That's pretty smart. Or could, it, could you give me that person's email? What I'll commonly do is I'll say, um, yes, could you put me through? And, and what is that person's email? And then I would ask, and what extension are we using? So that the next time I want to communicate with them, 
I, I don't, you know, take up other people's time in the organization, and I can get straight to the person that I'd like to speak with. So, you know what we did not do here? We did not itemize the different types of services you're going to require. That's your job. That was already stated in Community Mapping, the episode on the uh, fentanyl in harm's way, 32, if you wanted to do there, the, uh, the learning modules inside of the Family Social Providing Learning Series, uh, module one through four, that has community mapping in it. Uh, we've got a podcast that talked about, I mean, how many different ways do we need to describe to you that it's you who's going to go out and determine how to use this knowledge in that situation. If you are currently trying to find resources, and you will, or you're trying, trying to help understand the resources that Jack will need, and by the way, just because you find the resources that Jack will need doesn't mean you're now responsible to make Jack go there or make Jack use those resources or make Jack call, at least call them. You're gathering this information for your edification because when you say it, you'll say it with such a tone of confidence and knowledge that in itself will probably get them to want to follow through with what you just said. And if they don't, let's face it, it's their life and you can't make them anything. Go back to the five stages of change. Maybe they're in pre-contemplation and they need to move to contemplation. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, let's go back. Well, why do I keep going back? Because this is progression area learning. It's called it's a certain way that um, educators use a style of learning. It's called progression learning, where one layers on top of the other, layers on the topper, top of the other, which is great because if you need to go back two layers, you can because they were already organized that way. So our learning materials for the Family Solution Final Learning Series is progressionary learning. We've complemented that with, an, um, with a, uh, the TV episodes, Fentanyl and Families in Arms Way, where we do the same material only as a, as a TV episode. Then we've complemented that with kind of giving a discussion and airing it into a, uh, a podcast. So you've got a lot of different, you can read it, you can watch it, you can have a conversation about it, um, but it all will be like, if it's community mapping, you'll put those three together and it'll all be community mapping. So with that in mind, I want to thank you very much for this episode of The Voice of Families in Addiction and as it relates to resource gathering. I hope you found this information to be of value and I look forward to seeing you again or having you listen again to our next episode of The Voice of Families in Addiction. Once again, my name is Roy Poyan. If you'd like to talk with me, be glad to speak with you. Please give me a call, 440-385-7605. Thank you. Stand up for yourself, and I'll back you up. These problems don't solve themselves. I'll tell you what. Instead of would or could, I think you should draw a line in the sand and stand your ground. It's for your own good. <laughs>